Welcome to Conversations with Healers, a podcast and video interview series that features intimate, soulful, and cozy conversations with self-healers and healers. Healer to healer, we dive into all aspects of self-healing and healing and being and becoming a healer. I am Damla Aktekin. I am a healer and the host of this podcast, and I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation. If you are new to this podcast, please take a moment to subscribe so that you can be aware of new episodes. I also invite you to visit adropofom.com, A-D-R-O-P-O-F-O-M.com, where I share a lot of free resources for self-healing and healing, and you can take a free quiz to find out what your energetic wounds are and how they may show up in your life. Discovering what your wounds are is the first step in healing them. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello everyone, this is Damla Akdekin with A Drop of Om. And in this Conversations with Healers podcast episode, I have here with me Ellen Meredith, which I'm so excited to introduce. She is a conscious channel, medical intuitive, energy medicine practitioner, teacher, writer. She's the author of The Language Your Body Speaks. Uh, self-healing with energy medicine, which we're going to dive into, which I'm excited about. Um, thank you so much for being here, Ellen. Welcome. Well, thank you, Dom. I'm really, really happy to be here and talking with you and talking with your listeners, wherever you all are. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was just saying right before we connected, I was just saying some words of gratitude to technology because we often take it for granted that we can talk like this like you and I, you are on the other side of the us i'm on the east coast you're on the west coast and everyone listening is all over the world so this is i feel it's like a wonderful thing to do to connect this way yeah. Um, yeah yeah and i think what's wonderful about it is it's actually strengthening our energetic connections we're all part of this web of connections and it's making it, it's bringing it more into our consciousness that we really are connected because now we have a, a tool to do that on purpose, to do that consciously. So I love the image of this web of connections now reinforced with, with the, the technology. I love that. So just a reminder of our energetic connection in a more physical way that we can see, hear, talk and, and touch the, you know, pads or whatever, whatever you have. Right. You, uh, Ellen, you have an extraordinary healing story. Can you give us in like big, broad, brush strokes, how, how did you become a healer? What led you to here? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was kind of accidental. Um, I was trained by in, my inner teachers and um, they basically showed up one day. I, I'm a writer and I was a creative writer back in those days. And my grandmother, I'd finished a book and I was kind of restless and looking for the next inspiration. And my grandmother, who's dead, showed up behind me and she said, I have a message for you. And I wrote the message down and thought, oh, that's nice. My imagination supplied grandma. 
And then about a week or two later, somebody showed up at my door and said, I'm going to a psychic fair. Do you want to go? I, I barely knew this woman, but I said, oh, sure. I've never seen a psychic. And when I went, I had a little reading and the psychic said, oh, your maternal grandmother is standing right behind you and she has a message for you. And then she repeated the exact message I had received from my grandmother. So that was a big opening for me. And I know a lot of your listeners have had these, you know, maybe not quite that dramatic, but weird openings where suddenly you, you see things in a different way. You see different possibilities or maybe even different explanations for things you've always always maybe taken for granted. So what happened was, you know, I asked the psychic, are you reading my mind or is this really my grandma <laughs> standing there? And she said, I, I give her credit. It was a $5 reading. She said, I believe it's my belief that it's your grandmother standing behind you. It's her consciousness and that you can hear her and hear consciousness. And if you will slow down and listen, you'll hear the guidance that's there for you. So I thought, well, that is great because as a writer, you know, endless sources, <laughs> right? Endless material. So I started listening. And within a couple of days, I started to get a ticker tape with letters on it that was a message from my guides. And they took it from there. And at one point they said, you're going to get very ill. And in the process of healing, you're going to learn how to heal others. You're going to get tools. And that in fact happened. I, you know, I, I was moving to California. I got ill and I went to see, I got sent through a, a series of coincidences um, to see um, a chiropractor who, who's an alternative practitioner. And I started to notice that I could see energies. Like when she would work on a particular meridian of my body, I would know which meridian needed work or which organ was out of balance or which supplement. I could see all the supplements on the wall and go, it's the third one from, you know, it's second shelf from the bottom, third one from the right. So I learned kind of in a practicum of healing myself and then taking, um, getting guidance. It's not a download. It's really about being in endless conversation with the inner guidance that's there for you. That's how I see channeling. I don't see it as like an information dump. I see it as building a relationship with the part of you that has wisdom and that knows. So I spent years talking with my, what I call my counsels, my inner teachers, and they taught me how to heal. And before I knew it, I got, I got, I healed with the um, practitioner and then clients started coming for healing and for channeling work. And I would just show up and take the guidance that came about what was needed. And so I really learned on the job <laughs> in I love that. I love it. I keep coming back to the initial message because that's such a good representation of us self-healers and healers being invited to that journey and then getting an intuitive hit and then not, you know, either doubting it or, you know, not even um, just not having been gone through that entry point, that opening that you just mentioned. So uh -huh. I feel like that's such a beautiful way to illustrate that. And then I want to come back to the moment that your guys actually told you, your inner uh, teachers, that you would get ill. Was there a conversation going on about like, why are you telling me this? Like, how can I avoid, like, was there any bargaining there that was happening? Well, I did bargain a little. I mean, they put it in the context of you're going to move to California. 
you're going to get very ill. And then in the process of healing, you'll become a healer. And I, I, I kind of like the two endpoints. So it was like a sandwich, right? I liked the idea of moving to California. I liked the, I was okay with the idea of becoming a healer. And the very ill, I said, well, is there anything I can do about that? And they said, don't worry, it's, it's a learning process. And so, yeah, I wasn't too happy. Usually I don't predict a lot of disasters. I'm not that kind of psychic. I don't wanna know. And I don't think most of us are benefit from you know, dire warnings, but sometimes it's like saying your path is gonna go left and it's gonna go through a dark passage to get to this other side. And it's this beautiful light, gorgeous setting, but you have to go through a tunnel to get there. You know, it's always put in those terms. It's not put in terms of you're going to really suffer and then you're going to overcome it. You know, I never get in those terms, thank goddess, because I, I don't think I'd want to know. But um, so that's how it felt was like, okay, you're going to go through some difficult passages. And I had had some illness growing up. It, this was not my first first um, ball game. I had had some, some chronic illnesses that were stress-related and related to um, dysfunction in my family and all. So that was not a surprise to me that that might happen. That's a beautiful reframe too, though, because if you're finding yourself currently in that dark tunnel to look out a little bit from an expanded view and say, okay, like I'm here to learn something. And yes, this is uncomfortable. And yes, this is difficult, but there's a learning process going on. How can I open up even more to it? So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that word reframe that you just used is so important. I feel that we really need to take responsibility for how we frame our experiences. And one of the things that councils taught me over the years that, that came back over and over as a theme is how can you frame this differently? And I'll give you an example. I have struggled with weight issues. It runs in my family. And in order to stay in this body, I've had to carry a little extra weight. And of course we live in a pretty skinny world <laughs> at the moment. So I don't look all, like all the magazines and I never did. And um, I was belly aching about, oh, I'm so fat, I'm so fat. And I was 30 or 40 pounds over, over the skinny normal. And um, my teachers came in and they said, well, okay, you can sit there feeling fat and ugly, or you can imagine that you, you were threatened 200 pounds heavier, which I wasn't, but imagine you just lost 200 pounds and that what you would like to lose is just the last 40. And it totally shifted how I could understand. Instead of feeling fat and ugly, I felt kind of buff and released and oh my gosh, I'm so much lighter than I was at that imaginary extra 200 pounds. And in that moment, I could see how it was just, it was relative. It was relative to some, some condition I was setting that I couldn't live up to it. You know, it wasn't really in my, <laughs> in my comfortable biology. So um, learning to reframe, like when you're sick, to see it as a passage, to see it as a workshop, you know, to say, what is this doing for me? What are the benefits I get from either this pain or this, this difficult situation? What am I learning? What does it keep me from having to do? You know, okay, I don't have to go to work today because I don't feel well. What, are the, what, what can you get from it? Not just what is it doing to you or keeping you from? And you know, it's not that I don't ask the other question. 
what is it keeping you from? Because that's interesting too. It's like, okay, am I so scared of that that I have to get sick? Or, you know, what is it that I need to put in place that I don't need to be kept from something I'm yearning to, to, to live or embody? So that framing thing is a really big skill in, in, in self-healing and also in um, spiritual evolution, I think. I absolutely agree, which brings me to I'm coming back to your initial stages of so you started partnering with a chiropractor is my understanding. Yeah, started to see clients and give them guidance or, you know, teach them some um, healing things that they can do on their own. What was that very initial, I don't know, like maybe the first four or five years process like for you and then what were you, uh, and of course you were still working with your guidance, your inner teachers, but what were you beginning to discover in that space and time? Well, yeah. So I, in the chiropractor's office, I was um, working as a medical intuitive. I would come in where she, when she had cases where she was stuck and I would look at the energies to see what I think was going on. And for example, the very first um, client was someone who had a neck injury that wasn't healing and they couldn't figure it out. So she said, why don't you come in and see what you can see? And I said, okay, (laughs) it's weird, but okay. And I did. And I looked and I saw what looked like a hairline fracture in a vertebra of her neck. And I knew so little at that point. I said, well, would it make a difference if there's a hairline fracture in this vertebra here? And she they both, you know, she said, yeah, uh-huh, duh, you know, so they re-looked at the x-ray and then they found it, you know, they had to take the, the magnifying glass and then they saw, oh, okay, it's a hairline fracture. That's why it's not healing. And um, so over time, I would see either what was going on, you know, it was, it was psychic diagnosis of a sort, but it was working with the energies more than the physiology a lot of the times. And then I would, I would just start to know in myself or see or hear or feel um, energetic solutions. You know, someone would be, um, they were using energy testing, you know, muscle testing in that office. And um, I would just notice the test didn't feel right. You know, I could see the answer, but it's like, oh, I don't agree with that. That's not right. And I figured out that there was like something that I, I started to call a halo. It was an energy feature that if it was flipped, none of the energy tests were, tests were accurate. So I would say, wait a second, let me fix something. So I'd go and I'd say, breathe in, breathe out. And I'd flip the halo, which was a, an electromagnetic polarity. I'd flip it. And then all of a sudden, all the energies would start moving and the tests would get accurate. So I learned a lot in that process of um, working with the chiropractor who was energy testing and who had a a wonderful knowledge base in Chinese medicine and things um, and in physiology as well and nutrition. So I really got a good apprenticeship in how to take the energetic principles that I was perceiving and relate them to pragmatic stuff. Like, so what's going on with your liver and what's going on with, you know, so various organs or various um, meridian streams or various bones and and, um, alignment of the body. And at the same time, and I was doing that part-time, I was also teaching at a university at that point still. I I had a, I taught creative writing. Um, But I also, this practice started up and people would show up and I would just take whatever they brought and follow it through. So it, and there were very strange things. I had, um, I don't know if this is too much information. No, 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 I like it. I kind of want to tie it to how that those discoveries 
and those observations that you were it sounds to me it was a lot like play two for you it wasn't like oh uh, let me discover this rule that applies to everyone it could have oh, been no. too, but it was more like let's see what else could be possible here and that to me sounds a lot like play would you right it's play and it's conversation and you'll notice the title of my book is the language your body speaks my background is all about language you know writing and i learned foreign languages and i was all a big talker i was all about language so for me working with energies was a dialogue it was a conversation and I, people would show up and i'd say how you doing and they'd tell me what was wrong and then i'd start looking and there would Yes, it was playful because I knew I didn't know enough to be author, you know, uh, to have a lot of authority. You know, I was just, if I can help you, great. You know, let's see what we can find and what we can move and what we can support. Um, and it, so I was learning from the bodies in front of me. I was learning from the minds and spirits of the people who came. I was learning from the chiropractor. I was really learning from the inner teachers. And I was putting it together into some kind of understanding of healing as a conversation, healing as a, um, a dialogue, as opposed to healing as rules you have here and then apply there. And I still have that approach today, even though you know I've, I've trained with Donna Eden and done some other things in the years since I started my practice. I've been in practice for, I think it's about 36 years now or something, 37. So I've been doing it for a while, but I always feel like each person is a new dialogue, right? And we know that from talking with people that you may have had thousands of conversations and the next person brings something new to the table, always. Yes, yes. And it becomes a co-creative conversation for me as a healer. When I work with someone, I'm not looking to impose something on them. I'm there to learn from their system and then translate some of that back to them. So tell us about how does the body speak? What's the language of the body? Okay. Well, so the language of the body is energy, of course. And the body actually has two languages. It speaks in energy and it speaks in chemistry or it's chemical messaging and energetic messaging. And really chemical messaging is energetic messaging at its root. But the Western medicine works with the chemical messaging of the body. And that's not great for self healers because most of us aren't chemists. And even the people who are chemists, they know that not enough research has been done to really understand the chemical workings of the body. But the energetic communication of the body is something that is kind of an inborn ability to speak that we have. Like we have the ability to learn language when we're born, but then we have, it takes our parents and environment to teach us, you know, whether it's English or Persian or whatever language we learn growing up that we learn, but the capacity for it is built in. And so the same with energy, it's our first language, the body speaks energy, but we need to train, retrain our minds to understand it because we're socialized into verbal language and out of just understanding when it's tingling here, what's it saying to me? When there's throbbing there, what is that? What is it trying to communicate? When there's pain, what, what's communicating? What's happening with my energies? What would you say to someone who is like brand new to this? <laughs> and they wanna understand how to talk to their bodies and to their energies. What would be the, the first few steps? 
perhaps. Okay. Well, the first step I say is that you use, um, that we don't need a spe special psychic ability to speak energy. You don't have to be a, you know, an intuitive or any of the psychic, you know, I just happen to be, but you don't need to be because the, the language is, comes to us through your senses. Okay. You see, you hear, you feel, you smell, you taste, you know directly. I mean, and we have some extended senses like um, radar that, that can scan a, an, an area. Like when you're walking through a crowd, it's that radar that keeps you from running into other people. So we have some extended senses that we don't talk about in our culture, but are, are part of the equipment. And so the way that you receive visual cues through your eyes you can shut your eyes and picture your mom or picture your dad or picture your best friend. And you can get that through that inner seeing pretty easy. You know, it's most of us can somewhat picture someone we love. You can, um, you know, hear, turn on the radio and hear a song, or you can kind of in your mind's eye, hear a song or hear some words that you're saying to yourself, that, that inner voice. So we have the inner and outer perceptions. That's the equipment on which that you use to perceive and the language of energy. And so to start, it's just noticing what your senses tell you. What, what do you feel? What do you see? What do you smell? What do you taste? What do you sense? You know, just like a dog or cat goes around sniffing and, you know, <laughs> sensing through the senses. And then we have to train the mind to interpret what we're getting, not as this this distant symbol, but, oh, I need to stop and rest, or, oh, I need to open some space up. You know, it's, it's very basic guidance. There's an inner guidance system that's very simple. So if you put your hand on your heart and your hand on your gut and just tune in and say, what's one thing I need right now? Most people will hear a word, feel something, see something, smell something, know something, or feel maybe an emotion like, ah, you know, I'm not going to get it right. In which case, you know, what you need is to accept that it's okay if you don't get it right. <laughs> so the problem often people have with speaking energy is they want to get the whole understanding all at once. Like when I'm speaking to you, you're getting it word by word and your brain is putting all those words and tones together into understanding. And it's the same with energies. We can get piece by piece and be a little patient that we're gathering the information that's going to give us guidance and give us information if we really understand that it's, it's a communication and we don't need to know everything. We don't need the overview. We can take one piece and work with it. So I encourage people to tune in to get one piece, simple internal guidance. And then for speaking energy, I have an exercise in my book called Healing Hands, where you rub your hands together just to activate them. And here's two beautiful healing hands. And you just say, where do you want to go? And you put it somewhere on your body it wants to go. And then you say to the other one, where do you want to go? And you put it somewhere on the body it wants to go. And your hands speak fluent energy. So when they're there, they're talking up a storm because we're construct, we're made of energy. We're, the, the body operates energetically, you know, that it, it, um, we're fueled by the energy and the, all the parts of us are, are um, 
coordinated or organized by energy. So when the hands are there, they're entering into this ongoing energetic exchange that is really what we're made of. We're made of energies, right? So they're just jumping right into the conversation long before your conscious mind is going to know enough to say, oh, I know how to heal this. Right. I love that. I love that. I feel like what I'm hearing you say is um, the importance of taking the first step, the willingness to open a conversation, open a dialogue. Right. Not just you asking your body to change or shift, but listening, taking in whatever the message is and interpreting it your way and then taking some action through that. Which brings me to you beautifully transition to my next question, what my next question would be, which is for me, like reading your book, connecting with you has opened up this new avenue, which as a healer, I haven't quite honestly explored it as much. Uh, I work with guided imagery, I work with energetic transmission and intuitive messages. Um, and um, guided meditation, but th the part that I'm excited to explore and open up to through your entry point is touch. Yeah. So touch to me is just one thing I personally haven't explored as much. And you just beautifully illustrated what just one simple thing where, you know, we could be touching ourselves with our hands and not worrying about what it is that they're doing we don't necessarily have to know but in your experience when working with touch what are some of the things to be aware of um, and what are some avenues we can explore in terms of using touch as a healing tool okay that's a good question and i, I kind of want to expand the question out a little because it's not just touch it's using your physicality using gesture and, you know, an extension, sound and color, you know, using this equipment. And I, and I, I will answer your question, but I want to come around the back door a little bit. Um, my teachers taught me very early, and I, I actually have come to firmly believe that we're, we're actually a committee of three. We have a, an earth elemental self, which is your body self. It's, it's the creature like dogs and cats. It's your creature self. And we have what I ca they call a talking self, which is your mind and the part of you that can travel here and there in imagination and you know creates identity, creates a, a storyline in your life. And then you have the wiser self, which is the part of you that's part of the divine. And we come into this body, you know, we're spirits, we come into this body to be this committee of three. We have to cultivate our physical self. We have to cultivate our mind and our talking self and the identities. And we need to um, cultivate how to bring spirit to into that. And it's kind of like, this is the instrument, the, the earth elemental is the instrument. The talking self is the musician that has to learn how to play the instrument. And the wiser self is the music of the soul that we're trying to play on this instrument. So then healing using touch or any of the tools in the language of energy is about working with all three selves. But in particular, the one you said you, you have the least experience with or, or less experience is bringing the body into the dialogue, bringing the earth elemental part into the dialogue. And that's where touch is very helpful. So if I want to 
do some healing on my, even on an organ, like say my, my liver and pancreas, that's right below your breast, my liver and pancreas are feeling like off. If I just put a hand on each, yes, my hands are speaking energy, but whatever I do, if I'm praying and bringing in imagery or whatever I'm doing from the wiser self or with my brain to reformulate my thinking about how I wanna, how I wanna live my life, I'm giving the memo to the body through touch or through gesture. I mean, a lot of things, if, if I say, do this, you know, that's kind of bye-bye in, in our culture anyway, or hello, it could be hello. And, and so much about gesture tells the body, like if, say, I'm gonna give you an example, an exercise from the book. Often we get really shut down and, you know, you can, you know, you feel very clogged and shut down and uninspired and you can do all kinds of meditation and visualization, but that doesn't necessarily get the body to open its energies. It might, it might lift you up and it might open your physicality, but you might still be tight physically. But if you imagine something that I call the cabinets of wonders, imagine that your head, your beautiful talking self-center head is in a cabinet and the doors are shut and locked. So it's really tight. So you can breathe in, reach around, unlock, unlock the doors. Then you're gonna put your hands inside the cabinet doors. You're gonna breathe in and on the exhale, push open your cabinet doors. What does that feel like when you use the gesture and the intention and your body to actually open those doors? It does feel like an opening, like there's yeah. an actual opening. There. And you're not sitting there like, you know, straining with your head to make the, to have spirit do it. You're opening the door the way that if your clothes are stinky in your cabinet, you open it up to air it out. Now, say your heart is shut down. And a lot of us have been shut down lately because of world events. So again, you're gonna breathe. It's in a cabinet and you're inside this cabinet. You're gonna breathe in, reach around, unlock it. And then you're gonna go inside with your hands and breathe in and push those doors open on the exhale. I like to use my breath to move energies. You don't have to, but it helps. Everything you do with gesture and with your body, you're not straining with your brain to make something happen. You're not praying for God to come open your cabinets. You're opening the cabinets, right? When I want to make breakfast and I want to get the oatmeal out of the cabinet, I don't sit and pray, hey, God, can you please come and get me my oatmeal because I'd like to eat? No, I go and I open the cabinet. We have the equipment to take care of the cabinet so of course we need to know how to, how to work with the equipment. And so one of the things I teach in the book is lots and lots of techniques. They're called energy medicine techniques, but they're the energy medicine that brings the body, all of my energy medicine pretty much brings the body into the communication so that it gets the memo. Because too often with visualization and meditation, you know, the mind gets the memo, the heart gets the memo, the talking self and wiser self, but the earth elemental doesn't get the memo. So you meditate, 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 you get all this insight, but you still have a sore gut. So I'm really a big fan of doing things energetically and learning how to do things energetically that, that move the, that bring the body into the conversation. So the question that's swimming in my mind is, 
what if someone and especially with the heart because that's like you say such a sensitive place right now yes. what if someone isn't quite ready to go like full-on open yet yeah well I mean, again, it's like if I, I open the cabinet to get my oatmeal out, I don't leave it open all day because somebody's going to hit their head on it. So again, you may in the privacy of your room say, I'm going to open my cabinets of wonders and I'm going to let the glory that is me open to the world. And then before I go out of the room, I might shut them or leave them ajar or, you know, I mean, it, the trick is not to be trapped behind locked doors not to always leave your doors open at all times. That, I mean, again, you know, we open things up to use them, we close them afterwards. And a lot of my exercises do that. You know, you open, you empty something out, you close it up again if you want to. Touch is very sensitive and I'm, I'm glad you brought up that because um, not only do people not wanna just, just open, I mean, with any language, it serves any purpose. It's not like you can only say one thing with a set of words, right? I mean we mix and match our words to, to give very nuanced and different meaning. So when I teach you to, to open cabinets, it's not just so you can only open, you may need to close your cabinets. Your issue may be that your glories are there for the whole world to steal. And you want to go around and every morning go, okay, I'm going to close my cabinet doors. And I'm going to leave a little, little bit of air so that it, there'll be circulation, but I'm not going to let just anyone into my cabinets right now. You know, so you can, once you have techniques that you know are communicating something, you can vary them to communicate what you need to, right? And in our culture, touch has been so um, distorted and so sexualized and so turned into something it's not that many of us have never learned to touch ourselves. And I don't mean sexually. I mean, just touch yourself. Like if you have a headache, do you think, oh my God, what can I take? You know, where, what's in the medicine cabinet? Do you think, okay, God, please take my headache away. Or do you show up for yourself and bring your hands or get a cool cloth and put it on your neck or any number of things you would do for a child who is suffering. How many of us are willing to just use our hands and touch and show up for ourselves. Most of us not. We've been trained, do not touch yourself. Do not gesture. I mean, unless you're Italian or something. Don't <laughs> gesture, you know, some cultures do gesture. It's true, Latin America, lots of gesturing. But in, you know, mainstream America, you're supposed to keep your hands on your lap. I mean, we're taught as children, keep your hands on, on your desk or keep your hands on your lap and still while you talk. Because we're really, separated from our physicality we're we're taught to sort of demean that it, you know and so a lot of us you know we're especially in our world where there's a lot of spiritual seekers you know the spiritual is glorified and maybe the mind is glorified but the body is treated like a like a poor second cousin <laughs> you know that's like well you have to come okay or, or younger sister right come along i guess you, but don't don't say anything and don't you can't play with the older kids because we don't want you. It's, and so part of healing is reowning your committee of three and rebalancing it so that they're equal members and that the, the body isn't secondary and the mind isn't primary or the spirit isn't primary, that they're all three um, honored guests at the table. Yes, yes. And I want to jump into from... Um, 
here to something you emphasize in your book, which is that um, you see healing as a communication task and not necessarily a medical one. And you also quite skillfully sort of differentiate between um, regular medicine or <laughs> allopathic medicine versus energy healing um, practices and how they uh -huh. approach healing uh -huh. in a way. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Right. Okay. So Western medicine is kind of rooted in the premise, what's wrong and how can I fix it? So I get something wrong. I go to the doctor, the doctor tries to diagnose what's wrong. And then they try to give me usually um, chemical um, pharmaceuticals to fix it, sometimes surgery to fix it. Um, or else if they don't have tools, they say there's nothing wrong with you. I mean, that's kind of the pattern of allopathic. And they're taught that other ways of knowing aren't valid. And so um, alternative complementary medicine, particularly energy medicine asks very different questions. It doesn't ask what's wrong and how do I fix it per se. It asks what's needed and how do I cultivate it? So it starts from a premise of how do I build wellness and how do I get the building blocks of wellness as opposed to how do I attack illness? And most illness is not something you need to attack. It's a malfunctioning of your construction of self. You know, you're trying to construct a healthy self, but you're falling short. You know, you're not getting the right nutrients in and you're not getting the right um, uh, uh, spiritual inputs in and you're not able to use them in the ways and you're not able to construct an identity that um, that you're willing to inhabit. You know, you've sort of got this self that the world tells you you are and your inner self doesn't get supported. And then there's, you know, there's stress and, and illness that comes out of, of some of those issues. And that, I talk about a lot of them in my book. So yeah, Western medicine comes at it with what's wrong and how do I fix it? And that's never going to really get you to true healing. You might get a fix for your immediate concern, but what you'll find is a couple years later, another illness will come up from the same source as the one that got fixed because you're not asking what's needed and how do I cultivate it in my creation of a healthy, wholesome, um, happy, celebratory self, <laughs> you know, a self that is, is really able to be the instrument of the music of my soul. I love that. And another thing you emphasize is what is needed right now for balance. And the yeah. question you're asking isn't also like how, how, what is needed right now to cure anything. And <laughs> right. In your story, you know, going through that dark tunnel had its purpose. So perhaps what's here, even a small ailment also has its purpose purpose, but in that, in while going through that process, how can I support myself and feel a little bit more balanced? Right, right. Yeah. How can I bring in a flashlight to help me see what's going on right now? Or how can I put a blanket around me so I'm not cold in this dark place? Or, you know, how can I take care of myself where I find myself as I support myself to move towards things I'd rather be experiencing? And too often we're, we're always looking, and again, this is part of the influence of allopathic medicine. We're looking for the magic bullet. We want the diagnosis that explains everything. And then we want the treatment for that diagnosis. It's not even for us. It's a diag the treatment that what we do with that thing that we finally named. And those people with chronic illness will have had a lot of diagnoses and a lot of treatments that didn't work over the years because the diagnosis wasn't really the issue. 
I mean, it was a piece of it. So it's really important to understand, yeah, what you say about being present with what is aspirational a little bit in what would I rather be building? You know, if I've got, you know, a hundred units of energy in my bank, what do I want to spend them on? Certainly not illness. And part of the reason we're sick is that energy follows intention. So if you say, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Your body says, oh, okay, well, here's something wrong. Okay, here's something wrong. Okay, oh yeah, here's something wrong. And it keeps answering your question. You're going, oh my God, endless things are wrong. No, but what's really wrong? What's the underlying, this Freudian thing? What's the underlying cause of everything? And yet, you know, I, I sort of subscribe to the straws on the camel's back theory that, you know, the, the saying, that's the straw that broke the camel's back. And the notion of that is that that straw isn't heavier than the other straws. It's just that when you put one straw and another and another and another and another on top of the camel, you get to the one straw that when you put it on, the camel's back breaks from the weight. So I really think a lot of healing is about figuring out what some of those straws are that are overpowering your camel's back and weighing you down and causing you to not have the resources you need to be well. So um, even there, when people want a diagnosis, it's like, well, let's name 10 things would make you well, that, you know, that, you know, if you had your magic wand, what are some things you'd want to call in with that magic wand? And if you say, well, I'll be thin and I'll be rich, those are outcomes. It's more like, I'll be comfortable in my physical body. I'll have a good relationship with food. I will feel that I have what I need when I need it. You know, I mean, translate those, those outer goals that, that are sort of silly, like, well, I'm, now I'll get famous and say, no, now I will be recognized for my gifts by people who truly can appreciate them. That's the reframe of saying, what is it that I'm trying to work towards here other than just figuring out this illness, which is my obsession and just keeps generating more attention on the same, you know, digging the hole deeper and deeper. Yeah, I love that. As you were describing the the person who's asking, like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I was actually picturing my husband, like, going through WebMD and telling me, I'm coughing. This could go wrong. This could go wrong. <laughs> so I appreciate that. And it's so important what you're saying. Just sometimes it's not even a big thing. Sometimes it's just taking the time to just sit and listen and right. to have that right. person, which is you, who is in your corner and to feel uh -huh. that. Yeah. And if you, let me just say, if you ask the question, what is needed in this moment, you may be getting a much deeper answer than what's wrong, because often what's wrong is that something's missing. You know, it's a malnourishment, not an invader. So if you're asking what is needed in this moment, it might be something simple, like I need the color blue and I'm going to spread it all through my system and then I'm going to feel better or I need some water and I'm just gonna get some water and sip it and sip it. Your body knows what it needs and can give you in very small bites what it needs. And if you listen and if you're attuned, it will, it will pull you, it will guide you out of that dark tunnel. It will show you the way out of the tunnel one step at a time. Whereas, you know, we don't need to flood the tunnel with light in order to see our way out, just one step at a time can help us find a path out. And often we build up muscles, we build up skill, we build up trust, we build up really good qualities that we need in the process of healing while listening to that inner guidance system. 
I love that. I love that. I actually have a um, 10 minute free meditation on my website, which is exactly that. It's called quick daily check-in meditation, where you get to check in with your needs, your bodily needs and the needs of the inner children and the needs of the ancestors and the cosmos that find life in you and through you. So I'll include a link for that uh, in case you were looking for like a starting point. Uh Ellen, I want to come to your writing. (laughs) I love writing. So I want to ask you, what is your process and how has it evolved in terms of you writing versus your inner teachers writing through you? Like, how does it all work for you? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, my background is writing, my training. I've got actually all, I've got a master, uh, BA, MA, and DA in writing. All of my degrees were in writing. So I've always loved language, words, and constructing sentences and paragraphs and imagery and the, you know, all of it. So, um, so obviously, you know, that comes to bear in my channeling and in my teaching and in my healing work. And I really believe that um, we embody, we codify what we know in language, right? We, we have an experience, we codify it with an understanding, with words. You know, when we're learning to speak, we, we give it that thing, a word, that phenomenon, and it's got a lot of meaning to us. And so when I write, um, I try to go to the core of what I want to say. I, I try to, this is something my teachers taught me when I was writing my dissertation. They said every day, go to the heart of something you really want to say today and just start speaking that truth because you can organize it and sort it later. And so when I, you know, so when I write a book, I, I don't have this out, I have a rough outline of what are, the, what are the ingredients, it's like cooking, what are the ingredients that are gonna go into the recipe? But then I, I start with the first ingredient and say, what do I need to say about this? What do I need to explore? What do I need to know? What do my readers need to know? And so it, at this point, um, a lot of my work is sort of somewhat channeled in that I'm sort of shown the next thing or, or the pieces that come together kind of come through inspiration but I craft the sentences and I'm, you know, I've always been picky about sentences and the quality of writing. I think language really matters. And so um, that's, I think when I was channeling more directly for teachers, I've never been a medium. I've always been a conscious channel, but I think they have always asked me to craft language that captures the essence of what they're showing me inside. So a lot of that is finding the examples and the stories and the, you know, the things like go get your oatmeal out, the, the kind of metaphoric situations that allow us to very easily understand an energetic truth because we do it every day. Yeah. So that's, that's where my writing comes from. It's kind of a real grounded approach where, but always keep it in mind, well, what's the larger picture that I'm trying to, to honor as I tell this story or show this technique or discuss this concept. Yeah. Yeah. Which brings me to your beautiful book, The Language Your Body Speaks. Please go check it out. And it's it's filled with personal experiences, stories, and also like play exercises, um, either from your stories of working with people or through your own healing. I, th- I mean, your imagination is 
off the charts. <laughs> There's a lot that people can go. And it doesn't have to be my understanding with it. It's that it is giving you a basic concept of opening this dialogue with yourself, your being, all three levels of your being. And then where you take it is all up to you. And you can maybe pick one exercise or you can try a few and you can find your own way with it. Yes. Um, and Ellen, before we finish, is there anything you want to say to self-healers and healers at this point in time? Um, I guess what I want to say, and the reason I focus on self-healing is I don't think anyone has the answers for you besides yourself. They might have pieces of the puzzle. They might have good skills that they can help you with. But this is my artwork, and that's your artwork. And everybody listening, your body, mind, and spirit, that's your canvas. That's your artwork. That's what you're creating in this life. And to the extent that illness or suffering or, or emotional issues are keeping you from enjoying the creation of your artwork, you know, that's sad. And I hope that, that through, you know, with my work, I'm trying to help you um, learn more about what some of your tools are and what some of your options are for working with yourself. And it's, and pulling off that notion that illness is something outside yourself. Illness is something going wrong with your paintbrush. So when you go to paint, instead of making one line, it makes three. And so what can you do with your paintbrush to, to pull the bristles back together or re even re rework it or get a different brush so that you can get the line you're trying to draw. And I think that too often we think that something wrong is something from outside ourselves. We think that something right is something outside ourselves. And we don't in our culture understand how much we're a creation of this committee of three, body, mind, and spirit, working together to make something unique and amazing. And I can't possibly tell you how to, how to fix you because first of all, you're not broken. You're just operating in a certain way, but what do you want to do with your raw materials of self to create an identity in this life, to create a body that can then that can embody your truth? You know, what do you want to do with it? So that's my approach is I don't have right answers, but I have some really good questions and some some really maybe um, good ideas about how to think, how to reframe, how to think differently about um, about what you're encountering and experiencing and then how to bring it back to the body. I really do think I add that to the conversations, how to include your body in the memo so that she gets so that she gets the memo. I love it. I love all of it. And I want to direct our listeners to ellenmeredith.com if they want to find out more about you. I'll include a link for the book as well. And I believe there's also a free ebook they can download, which is about seeking guidance within. So start again, starting that conversation, getting into that dialogue and turning it into a regular practice, a daily practice of keeping coming back because we don't stay constant. We are changing, evolving, right. dynamic beings. Ellen, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for doing the work that you do and bringing your wisdom to us. I have really enjoyed talking with you. So thank you so much. 
Oh, thank you, Damon. Thanks for the work you're doing in the world and the outreach to all the people who are trying to kind of get to know their souls better and all. So thank you. It's been wonderful talking with you. And I'm just sending love out to everybody who is listening today and say, hey, love this messy thing you're making. It's really, you know, you don't have to hang it on someone else's wall, but you might as well enjoy it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you, Ellen. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Conversations with Healers. If this episode spoke to you in any way, please leave a review or comment, like or love it, and share it with others in your life. This is a true soul love project from my heart to yours. I really appreciate your help in spreading the word. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and check out other episodes to listen to some extraordinary healing stories and advice. Have a beautiful and wonderful day.